It's good to see y'all tonight. We had uh, a good time for those, uh, Ken and Shelly and Bill and uh, Nathan was out there at the project today. We had some last minute things that are unforeseen and um, I'm so thankful. I'm telling you, I was hobbling around and it was hot and Nathan and I kept getting pulled from one thing to another and another and another and so it was really a blessing. And so if, if I know some of y'all can't, you have day jobs and all that, but uh, you know, as always, you can come out. Today we flagged the ice cream truck down and got them to drive through the construction project and bought ice cream. That was good. Popsicles and things like that. Well, uh, they are moving along very fast with the sheetrock, and uh, they are not much longer will have the sanctuary all hung, and they're working on the foyer, and all the nine-foot areas pretty much other than the kitchen and a mechanical room are done, and so the finishers are already in there working on trying to finish. So it won't be long we'll be painting. Uh, we've already, Shelly and Jen and um, others, Joe has helped to tape and put paper on the floors at the request of the finishers, and we're thinking we might just try to paint before we do the floors while we got paper down. So uh, it's, it's come along. Uh, tomorrow morning we'll be pouring 205 feet of the final 205 feet of sidewalk and a few smaller areas, and that's getting even closer to get done. Uh, praise the Lord, I was going to recall our dirt guy. He showed up today, said, yeah, we actually are coming in the next four days. We're going to finish up dressing all the topsoil. And so uh, that's that's a blessing. And uh, our electricians came, began to, they came too. They hadn't been there in a while, said we're going to start putting the outside lights on and and uh, doing that. So uh, a lot of activity today. A lot of activity is good. Um, I just want to also tell you uh, the uh, Arkansas Assembly God District Council that Jennifer and I just went to and Nathan, it was powerful, uh, especially that last service we're at. I mean, people began to shout and jump and uh, dancing in the aisles, and it was just erupting to the point they almost couldn't get it back into, you know, I guess you say into control. They weren't really trying to get back in tr control, but, you know, at some point to move on to the other things because they had ordination service. And But, man, it was powerful. And uh, I was, my, my knee is doing better today. I bandaged it, and I'm walking around, so thank you for your prayer. I was not doing good at district council with it, and I was wanting so bad to get out and, and jump around the aisles too, and uh, I, I couldn't do it. But it was a good time. There's a, a song they did that um, I told Ken about, and I think Jen posted the link to the service. If you get a chance to watch, uh, especially the second night, Tuesday night service for Arkansas District Council, did you post it on your Facebook? So if you're on Facebook, go to Jen's. And I'm telling you, and Brother... Uh, brother uh, Bradford, I always forget his first name, doctor. He's got like, he's got three, um, three engineering degrees and they got called in ministry, but he is hilarious. I'm telling you, he will have you laugh and it, um, I love to hear him speak. So we, we really were blessed and I got to thank Nathan. I know he probably doesn't want this none, but we were planning to drive there and drive back just to save the money. And we had things going on here and, and man, uh, we were barely getting out of time and out of town in time. And Nathan tells me last minute, by the way, I got a hotel room set up, so we got to stay the night, and um, it was very nice. So I wanted to tell Nathan, thank you. That meant a lot to us to not have to drive back late at night and then turn around early in the morning. Um, but uh, anyway, so I want to um, also say, rem remember that we're going to uh, Eagle Rock Retreat Center. If you want to be involved in ministry at all, or you're exploring that idea, you want to know about how ministry works at New Song, how we're, uh, how we're, what direction we're moving towards, all that. Uh, May 18th and 19th, not this Friday and Saturday, but the next. You'll need twin mattress uh, um, linens, 
sheets and, and uh, mattress cover. You'll need that and a pillow. Um, so it's not camping. You'll be in a cabin. I say this over and just reiterate. But it will be in the ladies in one room and men in another room, and you'll have your own bathroom. But it's a nice environment, and there's uh, plenty to explore and just be out in the country. I think we all need that just once in a while. So come. It'll be a good time. Three meals. There's sign-up sheet in the back and suggested donation of $15 for anyone 18 and older. But that doesn't need to hinder you from coming if you don't have it. We're just going to have a box out there. We're not going to know who gave what unless you're paying a check. And whoever counts it will. But um, we'll just have a box. And you can donate towards the meals, and that will help us in the expense. All right. And then I think lastly, there's one other thing. Offering. Yes. We want to worship Jesus with our giving. <coughs> so can I have our, our young shaved head men come? Anybody else that wants to be ushers too, you need to talk to talk to us. Lord, thank you for tonight, God. And I um thank you that the this building project is being finished, God, and Lord that we're getting closer and closer to being done, God, and I thank you for the great time at Kids Council, God, and I thank you that um we're getting to expand Jesus and I pray that um you bless everyone here in Jesus' name. Pray, Amen. Amen. Facebook memories. It was one year ago this week that they were peeling dirt back. So we've been at it, the actual construction phase, a year now, <laughs> and so that's kind of to me. It's uh, interesting. They showed up and said we're going to come back and dress the topsoil uh, exactly a year later, uh, but it is looking good. Oh, I do have one other thing. And, and the person that's speaking tonight, I'm getting ready to introduce, is like, "Come on, man, I need some time." And the kids are like, "Dismiss us." I didn't forget. But I stopped by the sign shop today, and they have they have built quite a few of the letters already for our sign and getting ready to put it together. They plan to install that on the 28th of this month, which Jen said was um, Memorial Day. So maybe they didn't realize that. But they're, they're, sometime at the end of this month, our new sign's going up on the new building. And you notice our sign's gone out here. It's also we're getting that fixed as well. We're not going to put anything new in there. We're going to try to clean up and make that work until we meet, leave. Uh, let insurance pay for that repair. So anyway, it's it's awesome. They're they're going to be putting that up, and uh, that's that's a day. If I can keep you in the know about it, that's a day you might want to go out there and just see that thing going up. And uh, so good times. All right. Well, uh, tonight we have an, uh, a speaker we have not had here before. Uh, he's been here, but he has not spoken to us before. But has a call to ministry, uh, and so Devin Pearson's been. Um, Called to ministry. He's been in youth ministry before he came here. He was in youth ministry in Paragold, Arkansas, correct? And um, so came here, and we've uh, really enjoyed getting to know uh, Devin and Ashley and Eliza. Eliza. Did I get it right finally? Eliza. Huh? No kids. Oh, no kids tonight. I thought she was correcting me on her name. I was like, I, he's saying I got right. You're saying I didn't. <laughs> I think he should know. If not, he's in trouble with Ashley. So anyway, but um, so anyway, they, they've been wonderful. And, and so um, there'll be a little bit more of a, a, a Sunday where we talk about youth ministry. But just so you know, and some of the parents know, we now have a ministry team for youth. Uh, we have uh, Devin Ashley uh, is taking care of Eliza. So, you know, that's kind of how it works when you got little ones. Uh, whoever's called to ministry is the one doing it while the other one's taking care of their children. But um, so Devin and then. A uh, young man that you've seen before here uh, is connected with Ken. We've got to know Ryan Cox. He's a shorter guy that's played guitar up here, and he did it. He is moving here. 
He has a heart to come help at ministry at New Song. He's moving here, finding a job, doing all this transition to come help us. So we have him. He has been doing activities at New Life Ranch uh, for teens in Colcord, Oklahoma. So that's what he's going to do for us. He's going to be planning youth activities, and he's going to be looking at that. And Devin feels called to speak and preach. And then uh, Andrew and Chelsea, who have a call to youth ministry. And um, and I, I teased Andrew before about it, but it truly is. You, you see people's giftings. Uh, Andrew's inquisitive with people. He asks people lots of questions. And we've always teased him about that, but I told him, I said, that's actually, you know, a strength because people like me who tend to talk too much about myself, people get bored with that. But everybody's always glad to, t- to talk about themselves. And I, so we're really looking to Andrew and Chelsea to help be uh, what we call connect pastors, youth pastors. Um, they would uh, be uh, really the ones making a lot of the connection with the youth throughout the week and keeping uh, tabs with them and... and being a support to them. So all of them have a call. All of them I'm confident in their speaking ability um, and everything, but it's just they have those certain skills that are going to make it a, a dream team for us. And we had a blast last youth, t- couple times at youth, especially like a week ago last Sunday. Jen and I just sat back for a minute, and um, all of our youth sponsors, Ryan wasn't there, but they were interacting with youth. We, we laughed so hard and had a good time, and then when it came to Bible study, all the youth were really focused. And, and working with the, the, the ministry team. And we had a visiting youth pastor that night, and she said, man, it just blew me away how you guys had a good time, and then everybody got right down to studying God's Word. So we are truly blessed. So, Devin, would you come and, and uh, just bring the Word to us tonight? Give Devin a hand. <laughs> Finally, somebody makes me feel short. <laughs> All right, all right. I always got to test the mic, see how far I got to hold it. But thank you guys so much. Thank you, CJ and Church, for giving me this opportunity. I'm so excited to be up here and get to talk to you and share the word with you. There is absolutely nothing greater in this world than being able to share the word, share the gospel, and share Jesus. And that's a little bit about what my message is tonight. But I need a little bit of help from the ushers over here. I got some index cards and some pens, and I need you guys to hand them out because I felt so confident in what I felt like God was telling me in my prayer time that I thought you guys need to write this down and hold on to it because this is going to be something that's really going to be almost like a challenge to you, but it's really going to be something that I think will enhance your spiritual lives. But before I dive in, I usually try and introduce myself. This is my first time getting up and speaking in front of you guys, so if you haven't figured out by now... My name is Devin Pearson. I'm 23 years old. Grew up in Little Rock, Arkansas. I really fell away from the church when I was five years old. My mom was a single mother with three kids, and that didn't really go over well with our home church at the time. And she got a lot of scrutiny for it, and she ended up leaving. And it was sad. And it's extremely sad to hear now, since I'm a pastor, and I'm like, I would never treat anybody like that. But you know it something that happens. And I didn't come back to the church till I was about 12 years old. I got saved when I was 13. And from there, I was a regular visitor, and then I wasn't, and then I was a regular visitor. And, you know, I kind of bounced around and did my own thing. And I started to play basketball when I was about 13 years old and started out as the worst person you've probably seen in your life. I mean, couldn't walk and chew bubble gum at the same time. 
And by the time I was 18, I got a college scholarship. And so I went to college in Harrison, Arkansas. Never would have thought I would have went to Harrison, Arkansas, but that's where I ended up. And we went there for two years. I ended up meeting my wife, Ashley Pearson. We now have our little girl, Eliza. And it's just awesome. I'm so blessed. We've been here for, you know, about a year now, a little bit over. We spent a couple years in Northeast Arkansas before we moved here. I was the kind of like the intern associate pastor for like six months. And then I was the youth pastor for the other half of the year there. And I was just amazed. I never really had seen myself as the youth pastor. I was kind of like, that's where they try people out. And I know that I'm called to be a head pastor. And I was actually felt called to planning churches and helping planning churches. And so that's awesome that I'm being a part of this project to just even at the end game right here. And I was like, man, I never really saw myself as a youth pastor, but it was just like all of a sudden, as soon as the pastor looked at me, he was like, I really want to see if you want to do this, but I don't know. And he gave me the offer and I was almost in tears and I was like, I, I got to do it. I know I got to do it. And so I feel so blessed to be in this position. I feel awesome about being here with you guys. I got to say, this church is so amazing. It's so awesome. And it has nothing to do with the building project, has nothing to do with even the worship and all of that, which is awesome. Because I remember the first time I came here and we left and we went to the car and Ashley was like, what'd you think about it? What'd you think? Like, think this is a church for us? And I was like, I think this is a church for us. I was like, I love the people. Every person in there is so genuine. They're so true. There are people that will wear their emotions on their sleeves, that they're not afraid to talk about their sin, and they're here to lift people up. And I just got to tell you guys, that's, that's so amazing. It is such a gift to be able to have that in your lives and to be able to come to church and know that this is a hospital for sinners and not a museum for saints. It's such an awesome thing. And so I really appreciate you guys. I really appreciate Pastor CJ once again. And guys, we're ready to dive into the word since y'all know a little bit about me now. But what I'm going to talk to you about today is I'm going to give you three tips. These three tips are going to be used for sharing the gospel, talking to people about Jesus. And it's not necessarily like a script that you're going to go by. This is not something that you're going to read it verbatim and talk to somebody about Jesus. But these are three things that I think are really core value tips to speaking to somebody. And so one thing I like to start with is I like to start with the word. I like to start with Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. And a lot of people knowing going to Matthew, verses 16 through 20, in chapter 28, they think about the Great Commission. And this is what this is going to cover. And it just kind of highlights that this is a calling from God. This is something that God wants us to do. And it's something that he's directed us to in his word and even his apostles. It says in verse 16, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we can see here in Matthew that God has already started out telling 
his apostles at the end of this book, at the end of everything that's happened. And he says, the last thing I'm going to tell you is that you're going to go out to all of the nations and you're going to make disciples. And this is such a core key point in Christianity that I think, you know, recently has been something that not a ton of people have put a lot of emphasis on. It's something that even Pastor CJ has talked to me and he says, I really have a heart to even have a discipleship pastor because it's so key. Because it happens that, you know, even the people that are doing worship right now and Pastor CJ and what happens after, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, you know, at some point, we're going to rotate in new people to do new things for the church. Eventually, this church is going to have to hand off the reins to someone else if we're going to continue. Or we're going to have to have younger people or newer people go out and plant more churches and spread the gospel. And it's done through discipleship. It's such a key skill that everybody is called to do. So if anybody was sitting in service today and they're like, oh, I just came for regular Wednesday service, well, I got to tell you that this is about everybody and this has everything to do with everybody. This is so important. So the first thing that we're going to talk about, and keep in mind the backstory to this, is that I was reluctant enough to meet with a sales coach. My job has a lot to do with sales. And there is a guy that is a sales coach. He says, you know, I'm going to take your business to the next level. I'm going to teach you how to, you know, reach your customers and sell more products and make more money. And I'm, you know, and I went and listened to him. He did like a 30-minute thing. And the very end, he tells me this tip. And I'm like, that is gold. That's it. Like everything up until this point, it's like, yeah, it makes sense. But when he told me these three tips, I thought they were so awesome. And the first one is pain. He says, when you talk to somebody and you're looking at, you know, a resident or a customer or a business owner, for me, I work business to business, and you look at this business owner, you want to identify and address pain. And you think, like, that's, that's kind of bad. You don't want to point anything out bad about somebody or you know, somebody obviously doesn't have a hurt ankle every time I'm sitting down talking to them. But the pain is representative of something that's hurting, of something that's not there. Now, it could be that for me, I do a private publication for the city. So a big part of my job is I get a lot of eyes on your business and your ad. So it's here to build your business. So even if you're like, oh, I'm doing really awesome, we're doing really great. Well, that's great. Well, we always want to get to the next step because we're always trying to grow. And then some people are like, we don't get any business. Nobody even knows we're here. We just started. And they're like, great. We're going to get you some eyes on that ad. And we're going to get people to see you and drop by and see what awesome product you have. Or maybe we're going to write a spotlight on you and tell people, like, these are the different types of services you offer. I mean, it goes on and on that we, are, we see that there's a pain. There's a need there. And the first thing whenever we're speaking to people about the gospel and we're sharing Jesus Christ is not to just walk up to him and be like, hey, there's something wrong with your life, you know. Because there's an inner need for Jesus Christ. There's an inner need for that love, for that joy, for that peace. I mean, how many, how many times does Jesus talk to people and he's telling them, my yoke is easy. He's telling people that life is hard, but I'm here for you. Why worry? Because I feed the sparrows of the sky and the flowers in the valley. Why wouldn't I care for you? On and on. I mean, look, the, the last like four chapters of Job, 
You know, that was just him being like, okay, who does this? Who put the world into motion? Who created you? Who has the water in the ocean? I mean, this on and on. And Job's like, it's you. Yeah. Well, what was I thinking? I'm dumb. Yeah. It's <laughs> just like, because he's like, you obviously don't know that you need me. You have to have me, Jesus, in your life. It's so awesome. And the pain, it needs to be identified. It's true. Because if somebody doesn't know about that pain, and you're kind of just sitting there talking and hanging out, and there's no real starter to it. Because if you don't know there's, you know, a thorn in your side, well, how do you know to pull it out? But I let you know this, that nine times out of ten, when you're sitting in front of somebody and you're looking at those vulnerable situations and you're wanting to talk to somebody about Christ, I guarantee you that the moment arises. Because I can guarantee everybody in here has their own struggles, has their own things that they deal with. You know, not everybody has secret sin, but at the same time, everybody has something that they're striving towards because none of us are perfect. In fact, even Jesus said there's only one good one. He came down here and went through the same things we did, but he's the only one who didn't give in to temptation. And so we sit there, and we're not here to point it out directly to them. Be like, I saw that you were gossiping the other day, you know, or... You know, I know what you did the other day on Thursday. I saw you sneaking into the liquor store and walking out with like $200 worth. You know, it's, you know, you don't have to point it out to him, but at the same time, it's going to come up. If you're praying about it, if you're earnest and you're inviting the Holy Spirit in, this is something that God wants to happen. This is something that God's going to open the door for. And I'm so confident in this. I'm so convicted about it because, I mean, I just got to tell you the story because it's awesome. I used to work at a bar and grill. It was more of a bar, but <laughs> it was where I got my first serving job. And I worked there after a while, and I was praying one day at church because I was like, God, I need to reach people because, you know, I mean, it's the restaurant industry. If you didn't know, it's uh, people got, you know, it's just bad words and, you know, slanderous jokes, and it's all types of stuff all day, every day. People just don't care because we're busy and people get their emotions high and things are going quick and, They'll say whatever. And so I'm like, I just need to reach people because I know these people, like, I know them personally after a while. You know, they're just spilling their stories left and right. And one guy, my boss, he was the general manager of the whole restaurant. Big guy, bodybuilder, like, big dude. He used to be a twig when he was, like, in high school. It was his awesome success story about fitness for this guy. And he's like, and he went, like, bald head and, like, big beard. And he was just, like, the meanest dude to you. He, was, he ended up being just that funny guy that always just wants to crack jokes and pick at you and everything. And I remember I'd worked there for almost a year. And uh, somebody had said something like, they had said, like, Jesus Christ, you know, said it in vain. And I was like, he is alive. You know, it's just like, you know, made a smart like comment, you know. And he was like, oh, don't, don't tell me you believe in that fairy tale crap. You know, it's nothing. And I'm like... Wow, I was like, it's, it turned into a pretty hateful thing. He was like, no, come on, like, that's just child's play, you know, it was whatever. And, you know, I kind of left it at that. And I was like, man, that's weird. You, like, really got offended at that. And it went on, like, six months later. You know, we had just, you know, I did my thing. Everybody knew I was the youth pastor at my church. And, you know, I would talk to people, and I'd pray for people every now and then and everything. And I knew that he had recently made a trip out of the country his oldest kid went with her mom 
and she was from, I think, Ireland. And so he went to Ireland to go see his daughter for the first time in like 10 years. And it was a really emotional time. It was hard. And he had come back from this trip, and we were all sort of back in the kitchen hanging out. And, you know, I could tell, like, he was really, it was really weighing on him that he came back and he left his daughter again. It was really, it's a hard emotional thing. I mean, this big old dude, you know, it's like, how do I even approach him about this? But, you know, he's sitting there, and he, I'm just like, man, you know, how you doing? He's like, I'm doing good. I just feel bad about leaving her again. I felt like I'm just being a bad dad. I just don't know what I'm going to do. And it's just, I don't know. I'm all mixed up about it, man. And he looks at me, and he was like, Devin, I just want you to pray for me. <laughs> and I was like, what'd you just say? <laughs> I didn't say that. But he looks at me, he's like, Devin, I want you to pray for me. And I looked back at him in his eyes, serious as could be. And I was like, I've already been praying for you. That's all right. And then he just kind of walked out the room and left. And then after my shift is over, at this point, I'm playing basketball. And so what I do is I go to class, I come work a lunch shift, I go to practice, and then I come back to work a double. So I'm like trying to get out of there. And I'm trying to go because I got to get to practice because I don't want to get in trouble and I want to play. And he calls me into the office. He's like, Devin, I want you to come in here. He's like, all right, all right. And I come in. He's just like, takes off his glasses and looks at me. His eyes are just all watery. And I'm like, this, this dude is not about to cry. And he's looking at me. He's like, Devin, I just got to let you know, man, I almost just lost it back there whenever I asked you to pray for me and you were already praying for me. He's like, I just, ever since I've seen my daughter, I've just been kind of thinking over life again. And I just, I feel like I've been missing out. You know, I grew up in an assembly of God church. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what is this? Well, turns out his parents are the youth, or not the youth, the worship leaders at my neighbor's church. And he grew up in assembly of God churches. And he's like, I know God. I've felt God. I've been in services where I've just been slain in the spirit. I've been in services where I've spoken in tongues. I know that he's real. I've ran away from that. And I just don't know where to go now. And I ended up praying for him. And it was just like, man, that was like, in that moment when I left, I was like, I never would have expected him to have that conversation with me. I never would have expected him to say the things that he said after half a year ago saying that Jesus Christ and God and everything was just a bunch of fairy tales and stories. And I'm telling you, it doesn't happen overnight as well. But we identified some pain in that instance. And in that instance of pain, it opened it up for the door for our next point, that's value. So the first thing you do is you identify the pain, you see what's hurting, and the next point is the value. And value is so key when we're talking about Christianity because you have all the value in the world. When you're looking at a product and you might say, you know, all right, I need a new phone. We go and get an upgrade for a phone. You're like, well, I got a pain because they build these iPhones to just like break down automatically after two years, like a car that's got 250,000 miles. Like it's just automatic. It's just like, on the fritz, doing bad things. I need a new iPhone. And so you go in and you're looking for your new iPhone and you're like, what do I like? What's good? Because I know that I need a new one, but what's the best value? 
you know, for me, I have all Apple products. For one, just I like Apple because it's simplistic, and I link all of my stuff together. So I've got, you know, my calendar and my iPads the same as on my phone and all of that. And, you know, so I had the value for I need something that's going to be able to keep up with all the different things that I'm doing, keep me on track where my calendar's linked. And so I was like, eh, I don't really need a lower grade iPhone. I probably need a better one that's gonna help me like search the web a little bit quicker. It's got a good processor, you know. So I'm looking for the thing with the most value, the best bang for my buck. When I go and talk to a business owner, the value is, is it really gonna help me? Is it valuable enough? Is it good enough? Is it what I need? That's really what it boils down to. Is it what I need? For us, Christianity, when we're sharing the gospel, the value is immense. You know, the number one selling book since they started recording, which book was the number one selling book around the world? It's the Bible. Did you know that the Bible, hands down, has been the most translated book and manuscript in all of history. And recordings of the Bible go back exactly how long we think the Bible has been around and how long the world has been existent. You know, they've been finding things for thousands of years, you know. They found water erosion on the top of Mount Everest. But nobody wants to talk about it. <laughs> you know, it's like, there are things every single day that people are finding, you know, carbon dating. It's actually read two ways. They can read it for millions and millions of years ago, or they can read it for 2,000 years ago. And it's like, oh, well, that makes sense and lines up with this. You know, so, it, you know, there's Christian scientists who are making a living based on the fact that science proves a lot of things, but at the same time, it's still inside the realm of God. And there have been only a couple, I think only a couple famous philosophers who deny the fact of design, or what was, I can't think of it, divine design, and that almost every other philosopher and engineer and anybody in that side of a realm that was really seen as a huge figure, especially in history, has said there's some form of divine design. And it's so incredible that you can't even deny it. They won't come out and say there's a God, but they're like, Obviously, this just didn't happen randomly. And that's so, so immensely powerful. Uh, and one thing that I've seen recently is me and my wife watched A Case for Christ. It's an awesome movie. If you haven't seen it, I recommend you see it. But it was like three-fourths of the way through the movie, and the guy's like, you know, he come to the realization that God's real. And his friend reads him this quote, and he says, C.S. Lewis said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance, but if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. Now, when you look at news today and you even think about people that, you know, you might talk to about Jesus and you might talk to about God or your experiences that you've had you're going to think of probably two reactions. You're going to think of people that are like, oh, yes, I'm, a, I'm all in. Let's do it. And you're going to think of people that are on the very opposite side, and they're like, there's no way, there's no how. It's just a bunch of fairy tales, just a bunch of stories. Because the value and the importance of Christianity is so immense that it can't have 
a moderate outcome. You can't be lukewarm or halfway there. You have to be all in. And when somebody decides to take on that value, to bring that into their lives, the importance and the lifestyle change and the direction that they're going to go is completely changed from here on out. You got a guy that got three engineering degrees and got called to ministry, you know, at drop of a hat. I just started being a youth minister. And all of a sudden, I got torn away from what I thought was the dream to go to Northwest Arkansas and go be a businessman. <laughs> I'm like, that doesn't sound right at all. But who am I to question God? You know, I mean, it, Jonah was called to go to Nineveh. Is that right? Yeah, I always mess up on the kids' stories, the easy stuff. <laughs> you know, he was like, I don't want to go and do that. Why would I go and do that? Because God said, because what he had to offer, and his response was, they're such horrible people. Why would you want to go? He's like, why? They just let the bird, you know? And God's like, no, because what I have for them is so great that it's going to turn that around. That's the value. And so we go into these, you know, kind of situations and we're talking to people. We identify the pain. We know the pain's there because we have pain. But we have value in our lives. We have the value of Jesus Christ and his salvation. And so we want to portray that value. The third thing, and I think this is one of the most key points. I think this is probably second in this besides the value. And it's trust. And trust is so critical. Because I think everybody or most people in this room have heard the phrase, people buy you before they buy your product. And it's true. People want to know that you're a trustworthy person. People want to know that you're reliable, that you're not going to steer them in the wrong direction, that you're not trying to pull a fast one on them. People need to trust you. And in, even in, uh, you know, I just got to think, man. I think back to, like, Paul and Timothy. You know, we were kind of talking about this whenever we did that men's Bible study, but we were talking about, like, the um, kind of like the Jewish um, kind of religion at the time and the laws that they followed. And Paul had Timothy, you know, go get circumcised, even though he wasn't Jewish and he kind of followed the same rituals and routines that a Jewish person would. And when he did that, it wasn't because he had to. Because he didn't have to. Because Paul's whole idea was he was going on the Gentile mission. I'm going to everybody who's not a Jew and going to preach the gospel to him. So why would he make Timothy do this? Because not only was he doing so well with the Gentile mission, but when he came back, and he met with Jewish people, and he was talking to Jewish representatives, and he would be, in their eyes, trustworthy. He would be going through the same exact thing that they would, just that he was talking to Gentiles. But he lived the same lifestyle. In the same aspect, whenever we go to people and we're talking to them about Jesus and we're sharing the gospel, we've identified pain, we've shown them the great value the one thing that we had to do all the way up until that moment was we had to do our best for Christ. We had to take care of ourselves before we get into that moment. Because if we're the living example and they can see that we can go through tragedy 
and not necessarily have a smile on our face, but feel great joy and feel comfort. And they can see that we react differently to different situations. They can see that, you know, they have a really bad customer who's extremely rude to them and they just go back and they're just cussing and they're just so upset. And I have a rude customer and I'm just like, all right, moving on to the next person. That's one bad tip in the night, you know, it happens. You know, if you react differently, then they're gonna expect that something's different in your life. And if you're a living example, then they're gonna trust you. When you're building that relationship with people, it is so key that you would represent yourself for Christ in the best way possible. Because that's how people learn. They learn by example. They learn by seeing. And I want to tell you just kind of a small tangent on that. A pro tip that I have to give y'all is that conviction is key. If there's anything I learned in doing sales, whether that's serving or my job now, doing business-to-business work, I can guarantee you that the best thing you have is conviction. And conviction comes with experience. Conviction comes with knowing your value, with knowing what you're doing whenever you're going to talk to somebody and not thinking that I'm just going to get somebody to come to my church, you know. At the end of the day, them coming to church is not the thing that separates them and makes them holy or saves their soul. At the end of the day, accepting Jesus is what changes their life forever. And that conviction comes from you experiencing Jesus, from your own personal stories. You know, CJ was telling us the other day, you know, he got the opportunity to kind of speak to a lot of those um, high schoolers that were coming down and helping and he got the opportunity to speak in front of them, and he just sort of just went all out. He was like, yeah, you know, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's telling all these things. He's like, by the end of it, some people were like, yeah, and some people were like, whoa, that's kind of weird, you know? <laughs> it's like, but his conviction, I'm sure in that moment, just the same way his conviction when he gets up here every single time, and he's talking about this project and how he set the goal for the 100,000. You know, the other 100,000 was going to come, and stuff just keeps coming in left and right. Random people are starting to help out. You got the RV volunteers, the assembly sending a check for so many thousands of dollars. I mean, seeing that conviction and knowing that God is behind it, how can you look away from something so glorious and amazing? How can you deny something so real? And when you have that same, not only you don't even have to share the personal experience, but being so convicted about what you're talking about because you know what's going to happen if they accept Jesus into their life will ultimately pour over on them. It's just the same way that if somebody's really, really happy and around a lot of people, other people get really, really happy, or somebody's just a negative Nancy, you know, the whole room goes down and everybody just hates it. You know, it, you know it's pouring over that lifestyle, that conviction, that love. And people are going to trust you for it. People are going to see the vulnerability. People are going to see that you're honest. And people are going to hear something that sometimes it's going to be a little bit different. They're going to be like, that's weird. I grew up at Church of Christ, so the first time I went to Assembly of God Church, it was really weird. <laughs> and, you know, I did some prayer and I did some searching. And, you know, the truth always comes to the surface. 
God always separates himself. If you don't believe it, like I shared the statistic before, Bible's the number one selling book in the world. That's the number one piece of literature from as far east to as far west. The most translated book. God is getting his word to every single nation and he's spreading his gospel to save people's lives. But it starts with the discipleship. And so the area of discipleship is so key. I wanted to share with you guys tonight. I want to leave you with a note card. You know, you guys can fold it up, put it in your wallet, do whatever. But the last thing I really want to do, and I think that God just really called me to do, and it was something kind of out of the blue last second, but I was like, that's it. Because, you know, I've been noticing every Wednesday we kind of have our prayer time and we, you know, kind of get to apply what we've just heard in our lives and things like that. One thing that I want to offer to you guys is I'm going to offer you 5, 10, 15 minutes to pray, however long it takes for CJ to come up here, and he'll dismiss you in a little bit. But one thing that we used to do at Paragold First Assembly, I thought was extremely fun. It was awesome. We did a treasure hunt. What we would do is we would come in on Saturdays. We'd come in at like 9 a.m., and it was hard to get my youth to come in at 9 a.m. on a Saturday. We would come in, and I would get the youth together, and we would all split off. The adults would split into separate groups of about like five or six. I would take the youth. If I had like 10, then I would split them up, five and five. And we would go, and we would pray, and there would be a sheet of paper on the table in the middle of everybody. And on that piece of paper, you would pray, and you would ask for anything, a clue, a hint. It could have been a color. It could have been an animal. It could have been a logo. It could have been fire. It could have been anything. But that clue was what we were going to use from when we went out in the community and we asked to pray for people. Somebody might see orange and somebody else might see a fox and somebody else might see, you know, sandals. And it's like December, so that's just really weird. And... You know, people would, we would go around and we went to Walmart and sure enough, there was like a 20 year old woman with an orange shirt with a Fox logo on it and she was wearing sandals in the middle of the winter. It was really weird. And they went up to pray for her and they were like, well, I just found out my daughter had cancer. I mean, who would have known? And of course we prayed for people whenever God would call us, but you know, we were even in the car, and we prayed that we would go to Walmart, and that's where one of the youths was like, we got to go to Walmart. So we went there, and we're going around Walmart, and, you know, we're, you know, we pray for people every now and then as we, God would call us, and, you know, there was one lady that, you know, was kind of walking by. She's like, what are you guys doing? And the pastor's daughter, like, stepped out from behind me because I'm so big, and she's so little, and she didn't, even, she wasn't even seen, and she was like, hey, I was just hoping I could pray with you. And she was like, I would really like that. I would really like that. It's like, is there anything specific you want us to pray for? And she's like, no, no, no. It's just sort of a private thing. And she starts praying for her. And she's like, God, I just hope that her situation gets better. You know, I hope everything's going well. And then just like right after that, almost like instinctively, she, you know, opened her eyes and looked at her. And she was like, your son's going to be all right. That was a bad relationship. But things are going to turn around here in about a week. 
That's just like, how did you even know? <laughs> you know, out of nowhere. And you can see it like, I was just like, man, as that 15-year-old girl could do it, <laughs> anybody could do it. And so it's so awesome to see what God has in store for us. And so not only do I want to tell you these three points and say that they're awesome and that you should use them in speaking with maybe a classmate or a coworker or somebody that walks their dog in front of your house every single day, you know, any situation. But I want to give you time to pray and let the Holy Spirit be invited into your life and into your prayer and show you something that maybe you haven't seen before. And I'm not going to guarantee it's going to happen tomorrow. It might not even happen a week from now. It took me six months to have that type of conversation with somebody that I never thought I would. But I'm wanting to say that I want you to take your index card and take some time to pray and really give you the opportunity to just let God work in you and show you something. And when he shows you that, that's only step one. The second step is that you have to be able to step out in faith and approach what he's called you to do. Before we can go out to all nations and a lot of people look at missions trips and everything, I actually went overseas to Asia and I went to Bhutan and the Himalayas, you know, and it was an awesome trip and I got to go pretty much exactly halfway across the world. But when I was there and I was like, you know, a lot of people want to do this and this is awesome. And I know that there are other people that are going to be called to come back here again. But our biggest mission field is right in our backyard. For the youth, I'm so excited to be a youth sponsor. Because if you've ever met Chris Bradley, he's the head of Youth Alive. And that dude's conviction is off the chart. He is just like, the youth is so key because that's the next generation. And if they don't know Jesus by the time they're 18, the percentages of them being saved after that are so extremely low. He's like, that's the biggest battleground. And I mean, he's all about it. And that's the way we have to be is it's so critical, especially for the youth and especially when we're going out in our day-to-day -day workplaces and lifestyles and living maybe. You know, some people, now probably not here, but some people go home and they believe in Jesus and their partner doesn't. You know, they're are a lot of spiritual warfare going on. And so this is an opportunity for God to just point you in the right direction and for you to accept his call. And also, you know, just as an extra put out there, you know, I'm up here and I would love to pray for anybody who needs prayer. You know, at the same time we're talking about going out and reaching people, I understand that we have our own pains. There's value. We know that there's value. That's why we're sitting in the pews today, that God is a healer, that God brings joy, that God saves, that God will lift us up from bad situations. And so I want to invite you, no, if you trust me, that you guys can come up here and we can pray for you and we can reach out to you and that we can love you and lead you in the right direction so that you can live that wonderful lifestyle that we all know is possible. So, you know, if Nathan, if you want to kind of dim the lights or anything, and we'll just take this time to sort of reach out to God in prayer.
good word, brother. And we're we're really blessed, aren't we, to to have all the talent and giftings and callings that are in our church. And and uh, I'm excited when we finally wind down with this building project. I'm looking forward to more time with all these these uh, guys and those that are feeling called to ministry for us to do development together. We've been talking about that preaching development. So uh, really excited. I'm really excited for our youth because it is it's just going to be an incredible, uh, incredible uh, team. Well, God is doing great things, and I'm I'm excited for the future. And uh, just hearing the message tonight, I know that God is going to open uh, new doors for us, and we'll be positive Nancys. <laughs> We've got a true blue positive Nancy in our midst, so we're golden. Um, uh, but it, it is going to be a great time, and before we know it, we'll we'll be in um, uh, in that new building. And it, it's it, it really is. Uh, there's just little things that God's blesses with, and this may sound silly, some, but they do the pledge of allegiance on the loudspeaker at the elementary school every morning at 7:30. So you'll know I'll be at the office by 7:30 because I just and and the flag is right in between our two pillars of our you know deal. So I'm just going to go stand out there at attention, and uh, you know. The, they they made a change now. If you're a former uh, military, you don't put your hand over your heart anymore. You actually salute even without a cap. So I'll get out there and I'll salute the flag every morning, <laughs> just to get the town talking again about the weird pastor over. <laughs> hey, you know there are plenty of empty seats and opportunities here. And remember, you know I know it could sound quirky and weird that we're doing a contest to shave my beard via my Facebook. I get some people that's not their thing. The, the deal is, is it's something to remind us always. It's a fun thing to remind us that of those opportunities that Devin talked about tonight. And it is, it is about inviting people into your walk with Jesus. You can't, you can't save them. You can't, uh, they cannot um, live for Jesus through you. But they need to see what it is about you that makes a difference. They need to see what it is about, about you. And you never know how much time you have. You know, the dirt guys coming back remind me that one of the guys that was there that I had had a chance to minister most and during the lull of time while they'd been away, he, he took his own life and had, had a large family and, and they're heartbroken. He was such a sweet guy. And uh, he had actually told me that when we got the building done, he was so excited he was going to drive from Van Buren to here every Sunday. And I don't know what happened in that time in those months since they had been out there. But I think about the conversation I had with him, and it was it started because we started offering them our cold drinks, the water out there, and like, hey, you know, you guys are paying us, you don't need to do that. It's okay. And then then one day, even though uh, they were trying to save us money, we went and got them a Red Robin because they they were saving us a hundred thousand dollars. So figured that that's at least deserving Red Robin, you know. And and those little acts of compassion opened a door to somebody's heart, and and so. You know, take those opportunities to bless and do something for folks that will say to them, hey, that's not normal for people to just do that. I've had somebody pay for my my meal going through a drive-thru that I didn't know. Um, I remember I was out with, I think, Ken, it was a, a youth thing. I think it was mostly Ken's girls and a few others and Jen and I and I think Nathan. And we had probably 10 people and it was something special. We went to Olive Garden and we don't know. I didn't see anybody recognize and we had to pay our bill and it, and it had been taken care of. Somebody was observing us, and I have a feeling it's because we're praying of our meal and saw the joy of the Lord, and someone said, I'm going to bless them. And so, you know, when it, it's not all about money and if you don't have that, but, but let the Lord um, open those opportunities for you. And um, it's, it's going to be a great, a great year. 
for us. And we've got great churches around us to partner with in ministry. I'm looking forward to gatherings with that, the Baptist church down the street. And uh, um, so anyway, just uh, go tonight. Be blessed. Hang out in fellowship as long as you want. Um, and uh, we will look forward to seeing you. I guess the next thing is women's. Oh, Don, yes. Oh, and Robin, yes, thank you, because Miss Robin's not feeling well, and that's why she's not here tonight. So Don Osborne, our neighbor, is not feeling well. Robin, Gil's not feeling well. My parents uh, went to see my Aunt Carol Ann. She's not doing well. Uh, uh, Sandy Haynes is still, you know, she's still battling cancer and feeling bad. Is there anybody else that just needs prayer? All right. Anybody that has a family member or somebody that just needs prayer for healing or Okay, let's pray for um, Dawn, and, and um, if you can just remember Carol, it's Carol Ann, but my Aunt Carol Ann, uh, Dawn, and Robin, and uh, Sandy. And Lord, we just come to you tonight. Lord, we know that right now, Lord, as we pray, we're believing together that because of the promises you've made in your word and because of the power of your name and your healing touch that God, right now, where uh, those that have been mentioned, and Dawn, and and uh, Sandy, Lord, and Rob, and, and Aunt Carol Ann, um, that right now, God, you can bring healing to their bodies. And we just pray right now that they, they not only know your peace, God, in this time, but and their healing, but God, you also let them feel the prayers of your people and let them feel the, the love and the concern and compassion for them. And God, we just praise you and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, also Sunday will be the last day that our last RVers, I mean, Suzette, Nathan's mom, but she's part of this church. Uh, but um, Tony and Pat Lush will be the last RVers um, for a little bit. And honestly, we haven't tried to pull others in because there's going to be a little bit of dirt work. I'm going to have to redress some things. So it, it's okay. Actually, the timing, uh, we want to keep them, but they've got other things to do. But they told us, they said, we really want to, we really pray about it. They were really feeling led to maybe make this their home their home-based church. They'll be gone and all the time, but they really have enjoyed being here. So when you see Tony and Pat, if you don't know them, they get me and I'll point them out. But really love on them because they love this church and they feel at home here. So this Sunday will be a Sunday when we'll have them come up. We gotta make sure that they come to church. And then we've been wearing them out, so that's why they're not here tonight. But um, uh, Tony's been really busy out there. But uh, we'll love on them and really let them know that we're gonna miss them. And uh, yes.